Welcome to the More Perfect Union, the podcast that offers real debate without the hate. I'm Kevin Kelton, an L.A. Rams fan, maybe still, maybe not. It depends on how the rest of tonight goes, along with Greg Matusak. Who day? Who day? <laughs> Who day think going to beat them Bengals? That's right. We are recording in the middle of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl where my Cincinnati Bengals, the greatest state in the union, mm. is, is, is actually going head to head to Kevin's L.A. Rams. And we had just finished halftime. One of the best halftimes in quite a while. We'll talk about that. But listen, folks, if you already know the end of the game, don't ruin it for us. We're still oh, watching. <laughs> <laughs> and also back with us is Joe Seart, the third producer. Joe, how you doing? Oh, God, I turned 40 yesterday. Yes, and I birthday. Thank you. And I figured it would take me like a week to start feeling it. No, I got a weighted blanket for my birthday and it made my day. I slept like a baby. I felt like God was spoiling me at that point. Have, Greg, have you ever slept under a weighted blanket? Combined with my uh, claustrophobia and weak bones, no, I don't care for them. My <laughs> wife has one; she loves it. She says, it's 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 another thing that keeps. She's like, gosh, just stay away. Jessica has one, and she can't. She won't sleep without it. She absolutely loves it. Yeah. And Joe, I don't know what your you know romantic situation is, but I will tell you, as someone who does not sleep under one of those weighted blankets, if your partner is sleeping under one. It's like a fortress. I mean, I have to lift weights to get close to my partner. (laughs) Luckily, I'm a single man, so I feel like I'm getting the love that I should be while I'm in bed. (laughs) So I'm at least not as depressed. It made turning 40 a little bit easier. You're cocooning all by yourself. Exactly. I'm Uh, hibernating. (laughs) Yeah, Turning 40, gifts like weighted blankets, slippers, cardigans. I got slippers for Christmas. (laughs) And they're like, and I'm like, God, slippers? That's a sign of aging. Well, listen, we will probably talk more about the big game after it's complete in our real time. But we wanted to start tonight talking about the NFL aside from the game itself. And Joe, you did a little looking into this situation with the lack of black head coaches. And where do you fall on that? What did you find out? Currently, it's the end of the third quarter. Cincinnati's up 2016. And just before halftime, a reporter said that Snoop told her that hip hop has always been a part of the culture of the NFL. And I think there's one person that would dispute that. And that's Brian Flores, who currently has a lawsuit out against the NFL and three of its teams for an alleged pattern of racist hiring practices by the league and racial discrimination by the Dolphins, Broncos and Giants. Mm -hmm. Now, currently, there's only one black head coach in the NFL. So, I mean, I would debate that the culture of hip hop has always been in the NFL. Okay. Well, I mean, in the sense that white people have profited from the hard work of blacks and minorities in many ways. Yes, that has that is like the music business. (laughs) You know, that is true just like football it's not a good look and no it's terrible it's terrible roger godell when he was asked about the discrepancy between his statement that only five of the last 36 head coach openings have gone to black men being acceptable 
And then not too long after that, or I think it was not too long before that the league made a statement that Flores's claims were without merit, which is insane because we've heard of several coaches talking about something like this. And I thought Goodell's response was great. He said, it's a good question, which I've asked in our office and we've talked about it. I think the initial reaction regarding the legal claims themselves and not really, we would say the experience of what Flores was going through. And that's what I'm more interested in. I put legal claims and the legal process to the side, and that'll be handled by lawyers. To me, it's important for us to listen to Flores and understand what he and other coaches are going through, which if you're going to make a public statement, that's the right thing to say. Yeah, I I didn't know that. That's a really well-written and well-thought-out statement. But let me put this to you guys. Obviously, an incredibly complex issue. No one person, I think, has the answer. But if you're the NFL and you acknowledge this is a problem, listen, you can hire a lot of people at the executive level of the NFL to bring more representation into the NFL itself. But each team is a separate entity. Each team is owned by a set of owners and a general manager. You can't tell them to go out and hire a person of color for your coach. You can say, we would like to see more. We encourage you to consider black coaches or for that matter, female coaches, but They can't make them do it. So what can the NFL do in that situation, Greg? All right. So in 2021, about 25% of the players in the NFL were white, while almost 60% of the players in the NFL were black or considered themselves black. So with that in mind, it's not even a question of they don't have to. You're right. These are, this is our private industries. We don't, we can't make them. But at the same time, we are looking at a huge discrepancy of players, right? Right. And this is where a large portion of coaches are coming from, former players and whatnot. Then for them to say that there are no qualified or this is not, we are seeing a huge portion of this. So what they should say is we can't find any white coaches if this is we are seeing, you know, and and we saw this a couple of years ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago, where they were like, well, we just can't find any black sports commentators, which was ridiculous when they are now finding former athletes. And there's but let me, I'm not playing devil's advocate because I understand. Me, I would like to see more representation on the coaching level and on in all facets of American culture. But Peyton Manning is a retired football player, incredibly smart. He knows the game. Why wasn't he ever offered a head coaching job? Okay, uh, okay. You know, and you can go down the line, Joe Namath. I mean, you could go down the line for literally hundreds and hundreds of really smart ex players. They were never considered for coaching jobs. And all I'm right. talking about white players. I think right, there's right. a difference between. Between a good player and a good coach, sometimes of course, but, you could but play who's the to game. Say that one of those guys would not have made a good head coach, right? But we're also talking about sheer percentage-wise. I mean, when you're talking 25% of the players versus 60%, and then to say like no, we just can't, we just can't find these coaches, we just can't find right. these players. I mean, that's a ridiculous players. And not to play devil's advocate, I will probably say that who'd you say Manning was it? Yeah. Peyton Manning. I I don't find him. I probably don't think he's that intelligent. And I would probably tell him that to his face. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. I've seen him speak. No, I, doubt, I doubt he's read a book in the past five years. Well, neither have I. Without pictures. <laughs> I want to drop a couple statistics I got on you off Please. of an NFL.com article, which is where I got all this information from. The first black head coach was Fritz Pollard in 1921. Wow. What? Now, Uh-oh. I got to ask you, <laughs> when was the next black head coach hired, if you had to guess? I'm going to just throw out a number. I'm going to say 1998. I'll say 1987. Ooh, if we're going to play Price is Right, Greg has it. it <laughs> I was, went over. <laughs> it was Art Shell in 1989. Oh, I knew That's who I was thinking, too. Now, another statistic I found is at the start of 2022, the league's 102nd season, 13 franchises had never hired a black non-interim head coach and 11 others had only installed one. Entering this hiring cycle, three quarters of the league's 32 franchises employed one or zero black head coaches. And with Black Lives Matter and it's Black History Month, I think this is the first episode we've done within the month. Representation's important and we're not seeing enough of it. Now, the NFL has a rule for this, believe it or not, the Rooney Rule. And I found this on one of their websites. One part of the NFL's effort to develop a deep sustainable talent pool at all levels of the organization. The policy promotes diverse leadership among NFL clubs to ensure that promising candidates have the opportunity to prove they have the necessary skills and qualifications to excel. Now, unfortunately, some of these black head coaches, and we've seen it over the last couple of years, they get one or two seasons to prove it. And it's almost like a president when they come in. You get what's set up before you. And if you don't succeed in your little time frame, you're judged on that. Right. Right. And it's just not a good look. And I don't think that's hip hop's culture in the NFL. I think we're all kind of in uniform of a vision on that. I loved that halftime show. My 20s happened when those songs were big. Uh-huh. Oh, God. I ended a podcast just before it to watch it, and I started this just afterwards so I could catch it, and it lived up to everything I wanted. Wow. Yeah, wow. you know, I've always thought that the NFL halftime show, I, I don't know, Kevin may remember when they used to do, like, Up With People. <laughs> That's, Joe, you may not get that, but do you? I have no idea what that is. So up with people was a group that would like you could sign up like when you were in high school or college and you would go around the world and you would sing. It wasn't quite a church group, but you would sing and dance to pretty much convert people. But it was a pretty wholesome group. But they had they sang the halftime show several times, I think, or they would have a college marching band or things like this. But now it's much more slick. I loved every minute of it. The only issue I had was, yes, these were titans of hip hop. However, these were titans of hip hop 30 years ago, and there was no representation of anything of today. And I would have liked them to have said, hey, by the way, here's someone, here's a younger artist. There was Um, one artist, Kendrick Lamar. To Pimp a Butterfly is a incredible album. You know, we started this podcast talking about age, Joe being the tender age of 40, but still feeling old. But when I was watching it and I'm watching Snoop Dogg, now again, tremendously talented man, a star in his day and a star still today. But I got to say, I, I think it looked silly. And I looked it up. He's 50 years old, just had a birthday. It's not that old, but it, to me, it just looked a little weird. 
to have a 50-year-old man up there rapping. Is that ageist on my part? Maybe. I mean, I'm a lot older than that, but am I the only one that thought that he looked out of place? Yes. (laughs) Not for anything. We see Paul McCartney. We see the Rolling Stones. The Who just announced that they're on tour again. And these are gentlemen, reverent people. I mean, the Who played the halftime, what, maybe 10 years ago? Was it that Um, long? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If that. And they were in their 60s, if not older than that. To be quite honest, it's difficult for me to watch Paul McCartney at this point because he is a much, so much older than I remember, than I I remember him, of course, in the 60s, than the videos that I've seen him and whatnot. But your point is well taken. Now that I think of it, you're right. A lot of the halftime shows have been by celebrities who were bigger, you know, in the 70s and 80s than they are now. So I stand corrected on that. Right. They they want to try to get this broad appeal. Let's make everyone feel good and everyone A little say, nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Right. They had Katy Perry on a couple of years ago, and right. I thought that was a great show. And she actually incorporated some guest artists. She had Missy Elliott in. Then she had LMFKAO. I can't remember who Oh, that yeah. Was. Those guys were like a one hit wonder for that couple. They were, they that were the definition of a one hit wonder. And she had a couple other newer acts and some other people in. And it was a good halftime show. But my favorite, and I'll ask you guys, who what was your favorite halftime show of all time? But by far my favorite halftime show, hands down, Prince. Well, I'm, mine was Tom Petty when he sang Free Falling. Now, I know you're going to say, well, Kevin, you're contradicting yourself because he was, you know, somewhat of an aging rock star when he, when he did the halftime show. But here's the thing. I discovered the song Free Falling when he sang it at the halftime. I missed it the the first time around. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Now, for me, the last great halftime show I saw was the Rolling Stones. And mainly it was because my dad was still alive then. And we got to bond on the Rolling Stones on that halftime show. Oh, I love that. Let's go on to some other topics. So the Canadian truckers, their halftime show was going to jail. What do you think is... Is that now done or are we going to see more convoys? No, it's not completely cleared up. There were actually several, I think there were four different protests all in play. The Uh big one was in Windsor. They had that blocked and Trudeau has said, okay, we're, we're finished. We're going to start clearing it out. And they did it very orderly. They very politely, very, as I say, Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) They were charged with mischief. You know, they were said, look, this could be a hundred thousand dollars a year in prison. Could you please move those who were not, who did not leave? Many of them just left as soon as they said, here comes the police. So they were there a week occupying stopping traffic, stopping. This was a very important trade route. And the police never asked them to leave at this point. I mean, only in Canada would that happen. That was very nice. And finally, when the police said, okay, you need to leave. Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm sorry to be ignorant of this story. I didn't have a chance to research this. What is a Cliff Notes version of what happened here? The Cliff Notes was to go back and forth between Canada and America, you need to be vaccinated according to the Canadian and the American government, okay? Or two weeks quarantine. There's a group of international truckers who said, well, my body, my choice, but not in the female way, (laughs) and said, I don't believe in vaccines. So, No. So they've been doing this convoy and shutting down bridges and whatnot. And this was going to be their protest. This 
according to Ward and his research, most of Canada is not for them. And it was a a very small percentage of truckers. In fact, the whole protest of these anti-vaxxers was a very, very small percentage. But it got very large attention because of how, you know, I mean, you stand in the middle of traffic and shut down a major thoroughfare. Well, one trucker with an 18-wheeler, you know, takes up a lot of space. And you get 30 of them or 50 of them clogging up an interchange or a thoroughfare that you need to get goods in and out of your country, they can make a difference. And they did. So now their trucks could be repossessed or repossessed or could be, you know, compounded, confiscated. confiscated. They could face a year in prison. And, you know, this is where we've always talked about actions have consequences, you know, and people are like, well, that's what happened to freedom of speech. You had your moment of freedom of speech. This is where consequences are. You know, if I stood in my in front of my neighbor's car and said, you can't go to work because I'm protesting, you know, the fact that, you know, you sell, you know, bowling pins and I hate bowling pins. Well, at a certain point, I would be arrested. You know, if these truckers feel that the, they were within their rights to protest and they're upset about being arrested and going to jail, I would just tell them, tell it to Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Okay. <laughs> You're not the first person who's ever been arrested for protest. I feel good about humanity that at least it's a minority because like we said in past weeks with the misinformation being passed around, it's almost astonishing the amount of people that have kind of come up against these vaccines. And guys, I hate to bring it back to sports, but are you guys familiar with the UFC at all? I'm familiar with their work. (laughs) Joe Rogan was taking off last night's broadcast because of prior commitments. Yet during the broadcast, he was texting one of the other announcers about something. So has there finally been some big blowback due to what's going on on Spotify. And Greg, I think it talks to what you were saying about you can say what you want, but there's going to be consequences. Right. And, you know, if Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan wants to do what he wants to do. Awesome. If he loses sponsorship, if he loses, you know, he's lost me as a listener and he may not care. But if he loses a million people, but he's got other people. He did turn down a he he said he's staying with Spotify, but there was a right wing platform that asked him to that said they give him some ridiculous number of money. And he turned that down since he said he wanted to stay with Spotify. I'm sure Spotify gives him a lot of money. So (laughs) it's hard to say. It was funny because the people that I was watching the pay-per-view with did not miss him on the broadcast. I'm still a Rogan fan. Like I'm not holding anything against him, but I also don't get, I don't read deep into anything and I haven't been a regular listener in a while, but it says something that if people that regularly watch UFC broadcasts don't miss him on there, I have a feeling that soon he's going to be off UFC. Well, and it was in Texas. He lives in Texas. Then he'll only make a hundred million dollars a year. (laughs) Here we are. It's it's the more perfect union, the podcast that everybody says it's just old white guys talking to each other. And here we've covered hip hop, the lack of black coaches in the NFL. And now we're talking about UFC. How much more cutting edge can we be? Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. 
Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Speaking of politics, there's a couple of things coming out of Washington. I don't know whether you guys caught this, but Dick Durbin, the senator from Illinois and one of the senior senators in the United States Senate, expressed some concern this week that the Biden administration was dragging its heels in getting the nominating process going for a replacement for Associate Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, who, of course, everybody knows, has announced his retirement. And I thought it was interesting that Durbin was publicly saying that he's a little nervous, he's he's a little concerned that things aren't moving faster, which tells me that he may know something that we don't know about the ability to get a Biden choice confirmed before the November elections. And, you know, we have one United States senator who, and I'm forgetting whether, I think it was from New Mexico, who just had an aneurysm or some kind of a a stroke and is recuperating. But it shows you how fragile the 50 vote majority, the 50-50 tie with the, the, the vice president being able to vote, how fragile that is in the Senate. And if something happens to one of those senators or something, or, you know, we get into summertime, you know, late spring, early summer, and there's finally a nominee and the Republicans figure out how to block this, sort of like the truckers up in Canada, then it could go to a situation where McConnell says, well, I don't think we should vote on this until after the November elections. And then you get a, a sweep in the House and the Senate for the Republicans. And then he will make the case that, you know what, there's still a lot of questions about whether Joe Biden was legitimately elected. And I think we should push this confirmation hearing and filling this Supreme Court seat to the next presidency just to be safe. Don't think he wouldn't do it. Oh, I know he would. Yeah. Oh, oh, he would. He would do. He would do it in a heartbeat. And then what, what I think is the nightmare. I know I'm now I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm going to preach a little more. Preach, preach, brother, preach. So let's say that happens. Let's say somehow they don't get someone confirmed before the November elections. The U.S. Senate becomes Republican majority. And McConnell is then doing something that is just unprecedented in the history of the United States and refusing to give a hearing and a vote to a presidential nominee in the middle of the president's term. Now, we've talked on this podcast before about the fact that Donald Trump, I believe, is already running for president. I believe he will get the nomination. And I think he has a, you know, 50-50 or better chance of succeeding in his quest. His campaign at that point would be all about, you know, vote for me and I will give you the most conservative Supreme Court justice you've ever had. I will give you the most pro-gun Supreme Court justice you've ever had. I will give you the most anti-abortion Supreme Court justice this country has ever seen. Because he's all in these, you know, platitudes and, you know, everything's the biggest, the best and the most. And he will run on that. And, you know, there's a lot of people who would normally not vote for Trump. They don't want to vote for Trump. They don't want a repeat of his first term. But that argument is very powerful to the conservatives and to the religious right. And that could be the thing that helps him get reelected. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I think without a doubt. But I know you keep thinking he's going to run again. I am 100% sure of it. Okay. The thing is, no one around him wants him to run again. Nobody. The RNC doesn't want him to run again. All, all his caretakers, his wife, his kids, nobody wants him to run again. They do want him to raise money, though. 
And that's the difference. Time will tell. I know. Uh, Greg, I, know, I, know I know. I know. And this guy know. is out. You know, I'm driving in my car and I don't listen to CNN as much as I used to. But I, sure. I'm going through the stations while I'm driving and I'll turn on CNN or MSNBC or Fox. And all of a sudden I hear Trump giving a speech and I'm going, what are they replaying something from like 2019 or 2020? And it's a speech from, from the night before. Right. This guy is giving rallies all over the country now. It's under the radar. Democrats don't know about it. People who are casual observers don't know about it. He's out on the campaign trail now. Yeah. But the thing is, he, he's destroying candidates who disagreed like with maybe one or two policies of his. He's saying, I don't like this person. We put right. in a new person. These people will be vulnerable. He's going up against all sorts of things. He's just creating more trouble than he's worth sometimes. Well, to, in your mind, I don't no, think that's, that's what's the happening. R- in, uh, <laughs> and and, and I the, the other RNC, thing is, I the longer with you about the RNC, I the think longer he does this, run. the longer he does this, it means the shorter time a real candidate will be able to raise money because no one's going to get right. right. And this is going to, and and at a certain point he's going to say, you know what? I'm not going to do this because he's not. Well, he, there's okay. no way he's going to do this. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Agree to disagree. I just, I just don't understand. What is your logic to think that Donald Trump doesn't want to clean the slate and get back at Joe Biden and get back in power what is it that you see that nobody else sees in terms of him wanting revenge and wanting to clear up his legacy? Because he doesn't care about his legacy. He's oh. never cared about his legacy. If we're we're watching a, a different Donald Trump. If he cared about his legacy, he would actually do hard work and make something that's in. He's been buying golf courses. Okay, instead of building buildings for the past 25 years, you know, past 20 years. Okay, like golf courses are going to really be a legacy, right? And instead of to a lot of people, they are. Greg, I'm going to pay you a compliment and show you why Donald Trump's a maniac. You're you're thinking like a reasonable human being that he doesn't care about his legacy. He has an idea in his head what his legacy is. And I feel like he wants that revenge. He's got enough of an ego. He hasn't given up losing the last election. He's already won the next one in his head. (laughs) You know, that's just how much of a psychopath he is. I agree with you, Joe. I agree. But you know what? We're going to jump down to the last thing on our list of things that we wanted to talk about tonight, which is the series Reacher on Amazon Prime. Now, I have to confess, I'm Reacher ignorant. I'm ignorant on a lot of things, but that's one of them. (laughs) But other than the fact that I know an incredibly hulky guy plays Reacher, tell me what I don't know and why I should care. Okay. Joe, have you watched this yet? Is this John Cena's new series? No, it's not John (laughs) Cena. No, then I haven't watched it. First of all, this is based on a series of books. There are 26 books. There have been. No wonder I don't know about it. Right, right. (laughs) The first book, when the first, and the series is based on the first book called The Killing Floor, I believe it's called, and came out. And there has been a a book every year. This is by author Lee Childs. And there's been a book every year about this just hulk of a man, this, this magnificent man who is just so ridiculous and so much fun to watch. And every year, except for one year, when two books came out and the books are ridiculous. This TV show is ridiculous, but it's so much 
fun. It's like pizza. It is just, it's probably, it's in its own way terrible. You have a character who is a former MP, special operations, like a ninja, but he's six foot five and he's smarter than everybody. And he just walks everywhere because he doesn't believe in material objects. He's like Kane in those old Kung Fu movies, old <laughs> Kung Fu TV show. That reference I got. Thanks. I knew you would. But it's just so much fun. Um, there was a TV, uh, there was a movie version with Tom Cruise, and everyone hated it because he, this character, is supposed to be this hulking, larger than life character, and Tom Cruise is anything but. But this character is great. Uh, it's a eight part series that comes out all at once, which is I loved. I binged watched it all within like two days. My wife was like. There's a lot of violence in this and there is and there's a lot of people getting like, you know, hit in the head or stabbed in the head with a knife or it's fabulous. Just highly, highly recommended for some good, stupid fun. Is it as good as the John Cena project? Peacemaker? Oh, Probably. Peacemaker. Oh. Peacemaker. I wanted to bring it back because you brought it up a couple weeks ago. I think we left kind of a cliffhanger on it about what yeah, I yeah. thought. Yeah. Um, have you watched that show? I I am not caught up on the last couple episodes, but I've watched everything up to that. Right. And John Cena is like the Hulk Hogan of this generation in the ring. Not terribly impressive, but the more that I see him do acting wise, he is a gem. Like this is the best DC thing I've ever seen. I haven't kept up with Doom Patrol. I haven't kept up with Suicide Squad. This show is so much fun, the universe they've built within it, and just seeing John Cena flex his acting chops like this is outstanding. Wow. John Cena has done a couple of films where he's, you know, your square jaw, perfect guy who can beat up everybody, and they're boring, and they're terrible. The Marine, I don't know if anyone saw that one. That's a WWE of, production, and that is... Right, it's it's terrible. It's It's almost unwatchable. Um, and he also has done a couple TV things, but John Cena is at his best when he's a flawed character and he makes mistakes or he's awkward and he's just this huge hulking character who doesn't even realize either how big he is or whatnot. So one of the best things he's done was a film with uh, Amy Schumer called Trainwreck. Yes, I loved that movie. And and he's he's this character who incredibly built and gets into fights for no reason because he thinks that's expected of him because he's so large and people are, he's like, people want to fight me and no one wants to fight him or he's just awkward and he's awesome at it. Awkward John Cena's amazing. Nice, good looking John Cena. Terrible, you know, and, and no, I don't know if I've completely accepted his apology when he apologized to um, China for Suicide Squad, that whole kerfuffle last year. Oh. But once again, he does more Make-A-Wish foundations than almost any other person in the world. So he's got to be a pretty good guy. But, he is yeah. a huge personality and in the world of wrestling has not gone heel maybe since he was introduced. He's way too important to Make-A-Wish. He's way too important to WWE. And Kevin, you have not seen Peacemaker? No. I'd love for you to watch it and then let us know storytelling-wise 
John Cena in this weird kind of relationship he has with his father in it. I think storytelling wise, it would be a gold mine for you. What is it on? Where can I see it? HBO Max. Oh, I've got that. Okay. All righty. So, uh, oh, there's the touchdown that we've been waiting for. Okay. With that in mind, the Rams just went ahead. I still don't know. We still don't know who's going to win, but the Rams just went ahead. But with that, we have to call this a podcast. So I want to thank everybody for listening. If you like what we do here, please put our link on your Facebook timeline and tell your friends to check us out as well. Look for us on Instagram and on Twitter. And also, don't forget, I have a new book out called Super Vows. It's available on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, and on Kindle. It's a fun little read if you like dark comedy, sort of like that Saturday Night Live National Lampoon edginess. This book has it. It also has romance. It's got sex. It's got violence. And I think it makes sense. So what else do you look for in a book? And uh, with that, the guys are looking at me. Their eyes are glassy because I'm, I'm promoting myself too much on the show. I wanted to interrupt you because you have a scene in that book. I don't want to spoil anything uh-huh. written about Supreme Court justices arguing. And it you know, is a masterpiece in thank writing. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Because he's putting over like seven different personalities, but he makes each one distinct. So if you haven't picked up this book, it comes right after a gruesome murder scene. So it's hitting all the high spots. Oh, thank you so much. Wow. I really appreciate that. Thank you. You know what? You're going to be back on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You've you've figured out the the right combination of kissing up to Kevin. With that, Greg Matusek, how are you going to spend your post-Super Bowl week? I'm going to be drowning my sorrows in buckets and buckets of Skyline Chili. (laughs) Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD.